is Kenny Omega as nice in real life as he seems in his death matches? <laughs> uh, Way nicer. Howdy, folks. You're listening to Nonproductive, and we are covering Toy Fair. I'm Frank, and I'm joined in studio by Alan, Pete, and the Weinbreck Brothers, host of Nonproductive's toy podcast, Adventures in Collecting. How's everyone doing? Hi, Frank. Hi. I'm stoked after last weekend. There's plenty of reasons to be stoked. We just came back from Toy Fair. That's right, Toy Fair, the convention I have to explain to people what it's about. (laughs) In all fairness, I'm still tired from Toy Fair. (laughs) I'm assuming it's mostly about fairs. Yeah. And like toy versions of them. Yeah, it's basically miniaturized fairs. Yeah. Right, because you can't, like, who has the space? Yeah. Really? You get like a mini merry go round, a mini Mm -hmm. tilt a whirl to make your little mini HO scale figures throw up. A mini guy from Jurassic Park who talks about his first flea circus while his grandkids are dying in the woods. And the mini fleas. (laughs) Yes, indeed. A miniature flea circus. Yes, indeed. All of this. No, it's actually a toy fair, is actually about toys, and it's actually one of the the I think it may be the biggest industrial uh, uh, toy conference uh, in the U.S. And we are always so excited that we get to cover this. Uh, I know Adventures in Collecting, this is your first time at Toy Fair, is that correct? That is correct. Yep, first time. What did you think about it overall, the show? Was it everything you ever hoped it to be? Everyone was very nice. It is the complete opposite of the last time I was in the Javits Center covering an event you know, with a, with press access, and that was Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. yeah. Much, much different. It's a world of difference. So Toy Fair is a professional conference. You get to talk to people, even the indie people who are like, you know, grassroots building up their toy brand from the from the bottom up looking to get some press even those people are just wonderful to talk to they they're there to sell their product and sell their ideas and their and their love and it's wonderful whereas comic con is sort of like mad max but a little crazier you know yeah exactly yeah like that. you could get you can get into a ridiculous ridiculous fight at a comic con but not so much. It's just so much, and there's not a lot of room to move, and it takes forever to kind of get anywhere. Not because it's too far away, but just because it's tough moving through that many people. Mm-hmm. It's it's Everybody's not a very fighting ch- over water. It's yes, not exactly. a very chilled environment. <laughs> but we're we're here to talk about Toy Fair, and there were some amazing gets we got this time around. Uh, I forgot to tell people about this during pre-production, but I have a bunch of awards I want to hand out, and I'm I'm sure you'll all argue with me. And guess what? It doesn't matter because these awards come with no prizes. So let's begin. Uh, the very first thing I got to do, and this is thanks entirely to Eric, who got there early and made the reservation we didn't have time to make beforehand, is we got a tour of the Lego booth. Eric, walk us through this a little bit. All right. So I figured biggest toy company I could think of was Lego. I walked up to the front desk. I said, help me. I'm poor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please, Sid, you they, have some uh, Lego. I said, it's, you know, it's our first time here. You know, we're still trying to get the lay of the land. And then the nice people at the Lego booth were like, listen, we don't have anything for a few hours. Come back at 1130. Luckily, Frank, you were there by then, um, which was awesome. So, yeah, they they to kind of give you a frame of reference. Lego's booth was surrounded by about six foot high, white, opaque walls. So you you couldn't see anything in that was going on inside of there. This was like you were walking into inside a building that was inside a building. And they showed us everything that they have coming down the pipeline for Q2 and 3. You're right. It was like we were going to see the Lego stealth bomber or something. Or like a Lego nuke. Yeah. And that they were only showing yeah. it to certain people. Pete? Before we get into what you saw, I, I just have to ask. Is there stuff that you saw that you can't talk about? Nothing was actually no. embargoed or just you can't take pictures of. In mm. Toy Fair, there are plenty of areas you don't, you're not but we'll talk about yeah. uh, jazzwares in a bit. There are a couple of things that we can only talk about. We can't show pictures, uh, but not in the Lego booth. It was just, it, it was, we as press were allowed in. I just don't understand that then. Why would in you wall it off? off? It creates a so, mystique, man. Oh. Well, it's not only that, because I, I actually did ask a couple people about that. Like, you know, if you're going to give me a thumb drive with all the pictures of all of the product that you have in there, which is something that Playmates did, which was super helpful. It's really to how do I put this? They want to make sure that the people that they're letting in to see the stuff and cover it, there's some sort of like quality to it. If by making an appointment to get in, that's showing that you have real interest in what they're going to show you. 
and it gives them the ability to talk about these products in a little bit more detail than they than they would normally. You know, if they had this like flood of people, it's a vetting process. Yeah. And it, it allows them to kind of walk you through not just what the products were. And Le- Lego was a great example of this because they could have very easily just breezed through and been like, this is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. This is coming out. Minions. This is coming out. <laughs> like they could have very easily done that. But they are extremely knowledgeable and they take you through like like this is the next set coming out for ages two to four. Notice how we changed the color palette of the bricks. And we did this through extensive uh, market research and you know, we determined the, the colors that are popular with kids and also popular with adults. You know, they showed us one set that had magnets in it. And Lego famously had removed magnets from their products due to choking hazards and, you know, the things that magnets can do to your body when you swallow them. They figured out a way to re- start reintroducing magnets into Legos in a way that's incredibly safe. And again, like they went through all of the beats of this as they went through. I mean, ultimately, the grand scheme of things, the companies are going to be best at presenting what's there. And that allows for that presentation to occur. I think it's to stop mm-hmm. corporate espionage from very lazy corporations. We're like, oh, man, I, mean, <laughs> I, need, I need to sneak in, like, look at a website. I mean, this is how thoughtful Lego is. So the the... of the contents in the Lego booth are products that are going to be available retail agnostic. So, you know, no store exclusives, anything like that. Mm -hmm. They had literally one thing in the booth that was a store exclusive, and it was the um, the Mandalorian Razor Crest with um, with Mando and 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 um, the child and Grief Karga and IG-11 like they were all in there. They had that set in a frosted glass box that needed uv illumination to like remove the frost and the only reason why that was in that case was because that's a walmart exclusive and they wanted to be fair to all of the other products and all the other retailers because remember too this isn't just a press event there are people there that are buyers so a lot of the people that come through the event are coming through these booths to determine whether or not they want to stock their their stores with the product absolutely uh, so actually, if I have to pick one thing from the Lego booth that I really, really enjoyed, I'm going to pick two. And that, <laughs> that is <laughs> the Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet, because I, I'm sorry, just the, it's the it's so for me, Lego is a couple of things, right? Part of it is the 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 the, the set, right, is right. to try to build something to plan. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. That's why Lego architecture is cool. The other thing is just like imaginative play, right? Just collecting and, and, and building your own thing. And there's something uh, entertaining about a Thanos where you collect the gems and build the gauntlet. And just so that people know who are listening to this, it is a toy scale gauntlet. You can't, I mean, I guess you could build a Lego gauntlet. That's pretty awesome. All right, <laughs> do that. Yes, show us your pictures of that. That was absolutely cool for me. I, and it was like, I think the retail was like 10, 20 bucks. It was something really low. And of course, as Eric already mentioned, the functioning magnet has returned to the toy aisles. They found a way of putting a magnet into the toy. I think that the demo they showed us, it was a crane that picked up a piece of equipment. And of course, the, in, the magnet is entirely encased in a Lego piece of plastic. So it's safe. Kids won't swallow it. It was really, that showed a, a level of detail that you wouldn't really expect from most toy companies, which would probably just give up on trying to put a magnet in, but Lego found a way. Mm-hmm. How about you, Eric? Is there something there that like really took you took your breath away? Well, I feel like you're, we're kind of burying the lead a little bit. We, we were very fortuitous, not only in being able to get an appointment, but as we were walking through, I had mentioned to the Lego rep that was walking us through that, you know, I was a big fan of the Lego Masters show on Fox. And she was like, oh, Amy just walked in, who, by the way, if you don't watch the show, is one of the judges on the show. And she's one of the Lego, her actual title at Lego is Brickmaster. So she's helped come up with the design of products. And one of her new products was on display. So we we're fortunate enough to have Amy herself actually walk us through the new Lego Dots product, which it's an amazing new way of using Legos and, you know, kind of embracing the, the arts and crafts end of, of brick building. And uh, yeah, we were able to get uh, an interview with her for, for the pod for it. So, you know, it's uh, 
very excited to to talk to her about it and therefore the lego dots were were a big win for me that that was indeed an awesome moment question are they in any way related to the tootsie company gumdrop dots absolutely not oh do not eat these pieces of lego not edible Mm -hmm. can confirm (laughs) wait a minute So let's move on. Here's a, a little uh, an unusual one I'm on my list I'd like to bring up. You folks were familiar with calico critters? Yes, vaguely. They're these cute little animals. They're furry. They're adorable. Yep. They live in wonderful villages. Guess what I did an intense interview with? Calico critters? Yes, the actual critters <laughs> themselves. Yeah, they were... You know what? I love these little guys. They're awesome. I, I like collecting villages. And I like the collecting in an environment, you know? I just like the, the idea of having a small little town in your own home. Oh, yeah. And they're absolutely adorable. There's They have backstories. Actually, I have a special guest on the podcast I'd like to introduce at this moment. Eman from Eman and Frank Made a Podcast. What did you think about the Calico Critters? They were very cute. There oh. was one that had shoes and the rest didn't. There, and they pointed <laughs> there was, out. There was a class system. <laughs> there was a class system for the Calico Critters. <laughs> Only one of them can afford shoes. She lives in the Abbey. We are doing our stop motion Downton Abbey remake with Calico Critters they on the Nopper They did give samples. Network. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, did they really? Yeah, they, oh, we, got, awesome. we each got like four of them. Oh man, we could do this. Yeah. What's your favorite character from Downton Abbey Calico Critters edition? You know that I do not remember names. Just say any name. Matthew. We're making it Matthew. Okay. Matthew's a quality character. Yes. Is he the one who died? He's probably in Calico <laughs> Abbey. Calico Abbey. I have a question. Yes. I have a question for you guys because I, I did not... We, we did not get a chance to stop in at uh, at Calico Critters. Do they subscribe to like a feudalist system, or is that it more is, like Calico socialism? How does how does that work? That for is them? a that is a very important, intelligent question, and I will answer that for you right now. I believe, <laughs> I believe some of the Calico Critters are landed gentry, right? They just they've inherited uh, land over the time, and I think we're at like a maybe like a pre World War One scenario where like it's a it's the it's a post-industrial country obviously they have refined goods but they're still living in palatial mansions you never see calico critter servants though so i there's a lot to to go through i'm not sure there is a sect of calico critters they insist they live in an anarcho socialist commune really yes (laughs) oh interesting what uh, what animals are they mostly made of uh well they don't they don't really identify they don't see, it's 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 an egalitarian. Oh wow! All right. <clears throat> so yes, subscribe to our YouTube channel where we will definitely be making this series. <laughs> Man, wow! I really hope we get comments demanding it. I'm in, because, I'm uh, in for voice. I'm in for voice work. <laughs> I'm in for voice work. Excellent. All right. So maybe something a little bit more uh, in our wheelhouse. Let's talk about Jazzwares, the next big get. Uh, this is impressive. This is also comes just this time. We will we will we will, un- we will face the lead. There's an impressive interview coming out with, for this one. Uh, Jazzwares had a big week before Toy Fair. They made a huge announcement specifically regarding AEW. Would you like to walk us through that? Dave, I know you were really excited to be involved in this, even though you were at the interview. Can you walk us through that yeah. toy? I had some I had some severe FOMO for this one. It's it's a really big deal that we're at another point where we're getting figures from a new wrestling company. I think Figures Toy Company had done some Ring of Honor ones, but this is the first time that we're seeing something, A, another large-scale company, but B, another figure line representing that large-scale company, and so soon into that company's existence. Um, so just as a wrestling figure collector, this is this is a huge deal. You know, we've not had anything really like this since WCW Toy Biz figures back in the, the early 2000s. Absolutely, and these toys, Eric and I both got a chance to look at them up close and personal. They were amazing uh, the wrestling toys from when i was a kid look like blobs you could like if they if the gimmicks weren't so extreme for the wwf at the time you'd never know who these people were and that's you know fairly typical about toys in the 80s you you basically built them out so that they were the same bodies and they got better in the 90s and what have you but these toys were amazing yeah, and a special kind of add-on to the moment was the fact that it's not very often you get to see wrestlers interacting with their toys for 
you know, in some cases the first time. Oh, so, man. you know, we got to see on on Saturday, we got to see um, uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I think they had shown on AEW last week they had seen their figures previously, maybe not Hangman Page, but we actually got to see on Sunday Dustin Rhodes see his figure for the first time. Yeah, and for and for those who are, you know, who maybe are unfamiliar with his his proper name, he was very big in WWE for a long time as Goldust. So, you know, Gold that Dust. That yes. was from like when I was really into wrestling. Goldust was, you know, kind of at the height of that, you know, that attitude era stuff. So getting to stand 2 feet away from him was was kind of incredible. Not to mention, you know, capturing the fact that he's like actively inspecting his figure and you can see that he's he's yeah. impressed with the job that they've done it that, was it was really special that was my favorite part is watching them look at their figures like they had little simulacrums of themselves in their hands and they couldn't like they they couldn't pull their eyes away because they these look incredibly lifelike they're really well de- detailed and uh we actually do have a video coming out on our on our youtube channel of the interview itself which I think was a quality interview that ends with what might be the most devastating spoiler in non-pro history. You're going to have to watch the video to find out, but yeah, a little th- something something may have been revealed in the uh, the inner dynamics going on in the background of AEW and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like we're we're seeing a um a, a championship team fall apart. It's it's oh. it's a little sad, but you have to you have to watch to find out. You're you're ma- you're making that call. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I think I I mean I feel very confident on this podcast making that outlandish call because if anybody calls me on it, tough. so what? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't care about price. I don't care about the opinion of wrestling fans. That's right. See, I'm, uh, and I was just going to say that, that we, you know the, the the spoiler really is uh, an endorsement for Nerf products. Yes, yes, stay tuned. All right, let's um... I got I got to say I, I'm a I am a, as a big supporter of AEW. I am happy that their toys are in the hands of a company that has been entrusted with the care of such properties as Fortnite, Peppa Pig, and Go Away Unicorn. Oh, you know what? We should talk about Fortnite. So Yeah. Well, um wow. Yeah. So, so the Fortnite section of Jazzwares unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. And that's literally and we one take of those any photos. Yeah, that's one of those exam uh, one of those areas you're not allowed to take pictures, uh, but they had amazing display uh, and we could talk a little bit about it. I think it would be fun. Uh, everyone uh, was dabbing. I, I definitely like I definitely want to I can't understate how good the Fortnite figures actually are. Like just from an action figure standpoint, like it looks like it shouldn't be something that should catch on the way it does, but those are very action figurey figures if that makes any sense it looks perfect it fits the aesthetic somebody having that on their computer while they're playing or while they're streaming genius and they had a lot of cool vehicles and 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 uh there's always the props and the costume stuff and i know so many people who collect that line that don't play the game it's just their aesthetic is interesting and it's vibrant and it's and it's cool. They're GI Joes. Yeah, I mean, really. They're they're in the three and three quarter scale. They also make six inch scale ones, which are really nice. But the 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 normal like old school like rubber band in the middle style um, GI Joe figures, those those three and three quarter inch ones. That's what these guys are. I mean, they're they're wild mercenaries who come in crazy costumes and have a ton of weapons. I mean, it the it makes sense like the the video game and and full disclosure like i i play fortnite and don't collect the figures but the <laughs> figures are yeah and, and and you know we we got to speak to them about this but the video game lends itself so well to the 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 figure industry because fortnite's constantly cranking out these new skins that are quite literally meaningless in the game you know you could play <laughs> yes. you could play yeah. the game with the base character for free forever and be incredible at the game or, you know, you can pay to unlock the battle pass and unlock these skins so that you can look like a stormtrooper and make yourself happy. And but this, uh, it doesn't make you any better at the game. And this is a little controversial, I know. We're not going to go into details, especially for those of you who are hardcore gamers and have is- uh, legitimate issues with it. But loot boxes are a thing in, in this game. And it maps so perfectly to blind boxes that it's sort of like this genius move that there there you can pick up these loot boxes for... Uh, the figures that are effectively blind boxes, more or less blind boxes. You can, you know, what's inside, but you can remove the label if you want to give it to a kid and have them, you know, figure out what they get. And you get different 
costumes and props or little little accessories. That's I think that's like genius synergy right there. Yep. Speaking of how, as you guys were saying, how Fortnite seems a lot like the GI Joes of uh, like the eighties and nineties. Uh, Hasbro, after like years of uh, of GI Joe being dead, have finally brought it back. Really? Yeah. Again? Uh, yeah, in a six inch scale. Uh. Um, for, which is the uh, the ones that they've reeled thus far have been Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Roadblock, and Duke. And Interesting. I think they look really good. I'm I'm a six inch collector. I really like uh, six inch figures. So them releasing GI Joe in this scale makes a lot of sense to me. They've gotten a very mixed reaction though. Why? I, I'll I'll tell you. As, as okay. a kid who grew up on the uh, real American hero, is it the that's scale? not bringing them back? Okay, I see what you mean. It's yeah, like six inches doesn't cut it. Well, six six inches in what? Like four characters? How many were uh, four characters thus four. far? But there are more to come as the time goes on. All right, so th- yeah, I could see where the controversy comes in because it- can you imagine the size of the USS flag for that? <laughs> Uh, it's actually shit. a little car you have to get. A, a lot of people have said one of the big problems is that they that well we're not going to get the vehicles, which was kind of the big thing about GI Joe. And other people have said like really have started like they don't like the designs of them, and have said like this I literally started the hashtag not my Joe. Oh come on! <laughs> it's, oh come on! It's, it's tweeting been, that now. It's been a rough <laughs> ride following this because it, they've looked really cool, but a lot of people have sat there and, and said like it's just the. the it is not much has changed in the aesthetic, but it's like those little tiny details that don't yeah. quite match up. Like uh, Scarlet's midriff is blue instead of yellow. With the like, it's like mm. it's it's just added detail because they're at six inch scale. But I guess it all comes back to it just not being what some people want. I don't know. My my gut reaction looking at them uh, is that it's like a Fortnite figure and a Marvel Legends had a baby. Yeah. Um, they are using a lot of the Marvel Legends pieces, you know, like a lot of the body pieces are the same, but also, you know, there is some more color and some more vibrance and the faces have a little more like caricature to them than, you know, people are more familiar with when it comes to the G.I. Joe. So I was never really a big G.I. Joe guy. You know, I, I know, Dave, you had a ton of them. I had a, I had a fair share when I was younger. Um, I mean, I it's kind of like, you know, you as a Star Wars collector being difference between you know the the three and three quarter and black series yeah i don't get this so as a more of a like a hobbyist like there's like a a, i guess lower case c collector i there's no reason why you can't have both like enjoy collecting your your vintage it's not even vintage we're saying 80s 90s it's not original gi joe it was 80s 90s rubber band in the middle gi joes enjoy that but this is something just different. It's I don't I don't I don't understand it now. If you legitimately didn't like the design of it, that's one thing. Okay, fine. But it, it's not like it's stopping you. They were about to put out a bunch of three and a quarter inch figures, but for the fact that they took out six inch <laughs> figures, and now you're now your day is ruined. I don't get it. I really yeah. don't understand that kind of. My day is ruined because we don't have the three I, and three quarter inch. My, I don't think if they, they put them both have. out. If they put, but that's that's maybe I the think assumption they, they will. They have they to. Like, I think this is going to be a proving ground for them as far as because we have like they, like uh, we can talk about this later. But Star Wars finally is getting more in the vintage line, which I think has been like a little subsided for a bit for a bit now. But I, I can think that if these six inches succeed, then they might bring in some more stuff they can sell with in vehicle scale, some three and three quarter inch stuff. But it is bizarre to me personally just to look to have people look at them and say like oh, these are not classics. That they're not like these aren't the characters that I remember. They don't look familiar. Well, it's nice to know that all uh, geekdom, whether it's collecting or movies or anything, has this a big strong presence of if it's not made expressly for me, <laughs> it's made against me. <laughs> it's making me upset. Well, uh, that that hits the nail on the head, Frank. Yeah, I, yeah. You know what? It's I don't have a problem with it. I guess I'm I'm not going to say this is evil. Right. You shouldn't be doing it. But I, I do have a problem when, when I start reading articles saying, G.I. Joe is coming back. Oh, you have a problem like, with clickbait, I think, more like, than anything. That's, well, you know, that's what we were doing. Yeah. We said they're coming back. No, they're not. So let's see how this treats you. So one thing I did notice at Toy Fair, it's, it, they've been around for a while, but they had an amazing display. And when I saw it, it was like one of those genius moments. I'm like, why didn't I ever? Why, why has it been this long before it existed for me? I saw some uh, Flame Toys Transformer kits. They are like Gundam models, exactly, but with Transformers. Yes, 
And when I saw it, I, at first, I think at, at a distance, I thought they were Gundam models, which are beautiful, but they're not quite, you know, they don't have the same nostalgia feel for me. I love them. They look nice, but it's not like they tie into any specific thing that I can remember for the most part. When I noticed that they were actually Transformers, I'm like, how did, how did it take this long for me to realize that this is a thing and a thing that I need to buy all of? I have a few of these, actually. You do? Yeah, what? I have an Optimus one and I have uh, a Thundercracker. They came up with a couple of ones like that I, sh- I want to buy. The Devastator, though, is the one I really wanted. Yeah, to. I saw it. Looks it looks so it's good. so nice. Oh, my God. Uh, there's a few other ones. There's Drift, uh, Megatron, and a few other ones that I like. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the Seekers have, have yeah. made it. and But it's it's just beautiful. It's something that you would like to have displayed in your home. And it's, it's not that bad of a kit because like my boyfriend really likes the um the Gundam model kits and just sort of like those are extensive and take a lot of time like those don't get done in an afternoon Mm. these are a lot more manageable and I like them a little bit more for that because it's much more my speed and I feel like they can survive play a little bit more Mm. would you play with this I mean I I have I mean they they play with as much as I pose them and then maybe pose them another another time later do you make pew pew noises I mean, you do that when you're finished. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. That's playing. If you you prick us, do we bleed? Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't. I mean, I do. I've been looking at some of these Flame Toys pictures online. Correct me if I'm wrong. Drift just actually straight up is a Gundam, right? He's a very heavily inspired Japanese Transformer. Like, yeah, they made a Transformer that was just very heavily inspired by Gundam and Pat Labor and all those other things. Like, they Mm. just like the aesthetic and they went like, hey. All right. On a related note. I'm going to bring up the first award of the podcast. Uh, It is directly related. The best blind bag toy we saw at Toy Fair. Blind bags, for those of you who don't know, just some, some you know, novices listening to the show, that's when it's it's packaged, you don't really know what's inside, you buy it, you open it up, and you get a random toy. And of course, we've, we've talked about a lot of really cool franchises so far. We've brought up Legos, Minions got mentioned, I'm counting that, Transformers, Wrestling Figures, Fortnite, G.I. Joes. So the best blind bag packaging at this Toy Fair, uh, man, you agree with me on this one, correct? Yes, the it is, pods, the pee yes, pods. Peapod babies. Peapod babies. No, it's because the two of us were like fascinated. Peapod babies. It is amazing, guys. So imagine a about six inch to a foot long. It was really massive. Um, like peapod, inch, yeah. right? A peapod, yeah. a little uh, green a silicone peapod. Inside there are peas. three spheres, which are capsule toys. And when you open them up, they have various baby things. One is a baby. You get a random baby. And one is a bunch of baby accessories. And one is like toys and additional accessories for your baby. I can't describe this enough. It is genius. I I think these things are going to fly off the shelves. It's a brand new toy. They're just and it had one of those. I think Eric described it a little early, like one of those small little booths at Toy Fair. But these are the things you love to find at Toy Fair because it's somebody who just decides like this is a good idea, this is a great project. That was their launch, yeah. And that was their launch, and it was no joke. The most genius since uh, I can't even remember the name of it, the official name of it. There used to be like a blind bag, garbage bag, mutant thing. It was a basically in a little black bag. You put it in water. It would dissolve. There was like an Alka-Seltzer tablet or whatever in there, and it would foam up. And it would be like, oh, it's toxic waste, and you got a little mutant character. That's a cute gimmick. Yeah. This is a much better gimmick because the, the little bag you keep afterwards is like perfect for pencils. <laughs> Erasers. <laughs> Biggest school. Anything school supplies. Like. Eraser. Exactly. Uh, Gundams. Go. Gundam models. Very small ones. You could put them in there. And so, yes. <laughs> First prize, I'm giving it to Peapod Babies. And these are all so, delivered by Stop and Shop? Uh, I, I Well, you know, that's part of Toy Fair is people go around and, and, and different companies will hopefully buy this and stock it. And uh, I definitely think it's uh, an amazing thing. I could hey. see my, my nieces and nephews wanting them all the time. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh, move on. I, I kind of had the floor for a little while. Uh, Eric, Dave, do you have something you want to bring up? You know, we could jump back to um, to wrestling figures for a little bit. We had a, a pretty extensive conversation with uh, a representative. Actually, Eric was his name from Boss Fight Studios. Boss Fight Studios. Yeah. And um, it man, what a time to be a wrestling figure collector, right? 
Yeah. They have the uh, Legends of Lucha Libre line, which is a collaboration with Masked Republic and Boss Fight Studios, which are kind of in that same scale as the WWE Elites and Basics and the AEW figures. Their first two figures are actually two of the uh, current AEW superstars, Penta, Zero M, and Ray Phoenix. And they had those on display as well as announcements of their second series, as well as kind of some other products in their line, which are, are going to be fantastic. Without going into too much kind of crazy detail, you have Lady Maravilla and Conan, who are going to be the series two of the premium line, which is going to be fantastic because, you know, we've gotten in the past NWO Conan, but nothing for his like original AAA run um, where he was under a mask and... It, it just is going to be a fantastic looking figure. I'm, the I'm fun Conan, yeah. The one where you can look at him and it's really fun to look at, yeah. Then they had a whole bunch of other stuff there too. They had the uh, Fanaticos line, which is more along the lines of their their basic line. Speaking of blind boxes, didn't they have a blind box thing? Well, they had the um, the masks. Oh, that's right, yeah, like the little masks on busts. Yeah, uh, the mini mascaras. And then, that's awesome. Um, and then the uh, they also had the Luchasitos, which were the little. I guess they're going to be like on on same end of like the loyal subjects figures or the Funko Mystery, Mystery Minis. Yeah, oh, cute! They're um, almost like different. like muscle men. Um, no, larger. Oh, larger and more um like deco and more detailed. That's really cool. That's right. They did do the uh, WWE with the new muscle. Yeah, yeah. I, well, that I was remember a couple that of years ago. Awesome. Yeah, but yeah. think more of the Funko Mystery Mini blind boxes or Loyal Subjects, which is another California-based company. They've done little blind boxes, but also ones where they are kind of revealed, but they have a little bit of articulation and are just you know more painted up. They're not just that single color figure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, Boss Fight has some awesome things. Uh, Boss Fight Studio, we also, I don't know if you noticed that they are, it was a pretty big display. They have, of course, the Flash Gordon articulated figure. Uh, and they, there's actually an entire line. So it's not only Flash it, they're Gordon. They're doing a whole line of uh, New York Jets players? Well, kind of. Uh, oh. They do have him in his Jets uh, shirt and the movie Flash Gordon, including movie, I think, Ming. Oh. Uh, and oh, a few that other, aspect of his life. Yes, I yes. get you. Movie Ming and a few other characters from the film plans and original comic, King's Features comic Flash Gordon, which has more of the 30s feel and the ridiculous headgear and a weird costume and what have you. How come none of the Flash Gordon intellectual properties ever focus on his time as a professional football player? Well, now they do. There's also, keeping in that, uh, that trend, they have a lot of pulp heroes. A Zorro, Tarzan... And I want to say, f- yes, Phantom. All of them yeah, getting that uh, Phantom. Yeah, and they really look great. A lot of these were only set up Phantom as Phantom like, the Ghost Who Walks. Uh, yes. yes. Okay. Uh, Billy, uh, Billy Zane. It, it, oh, yes, of course. Billy, Shh. the famed movie. Sorry, <laughs> Billy Zane. Shadow starring God. Alec Baldwin. Alec, Alec Baldwin. Oh, man. I, almost, I had those toys growing up. Oh, those were some <laughs> pretty cool toys. Yes, but yeah, these uh, figures look amazing. They're, they're very screen accurate for the ones that are based on motion picture versions, and I guess comic accurate for those based on the original King feature and etc. Um, Sunday comics, you know, at that time the, yeah. the comics were very proportioned. Well, these are not these are not <laughs> I don't know like peanuts characters. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that they had that, not that made me totally excited, which is actually about a year old now, but Sam and Max. The oh wow, they have they have beautiful Sam and Max figures from the from the games. I really enjoyed it, and I was like, this is great. He's like, yeah, we've had it for a year. I'm like, I should have bought this by now. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some nice stuff from that I was place. so hoping you were going to say Prince Valiant. I know, no Prince Valiant. No <sighs> Prince Valiant. Maybe, though, if they get a second generation on the toys, it'll Just come out. Just holding tight to those rights for Prince Valiant. Huh? <laughs> if I can make another segue here. Sure. Speaking of uh, Flash Gordon and Phantom, we move over to NECA for a hot minute. Yes. Defenders of the Earth. Like, of all things, like, randomly bringing back... I don't understand the connection. Flash Gordon and the Phantom <laughs> are part of the Defenders of the Earth, along with the Magician and the other guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> the Magician and the other guy. It feels like a Futurama episode. Yeah, I was going to say, these are the guys that saved Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just, like, to me, they're very, they're a very obscure, but, like, kind of awesome and goofy, like, superhero team. Like, that mm-hmm. fought being the Merciless and, like... Uh, some computer guy like it was like because like they're not uh, honest to god i'm sorry to say this but they're not really cool enough to remember they're cool enough to just kind of remember <laughs> yeah no that's that is accurate but that's what's 
great about them <laughs> in a weird way. All right. Uh, anything else you'd like to bring up? I mean, overall, I, I would say it was really incredible what all of these is like big and small. Because like, I mean, we could go we could spend forever talking about this, the crazy assortment that we saw from from the Spin Master booths. Um, from both Spin Master and Spin Master Games, you know, you want to talk about blind boxes and pea pods, you got to see some of the stuff that they're doing with with blind blind packaging. It's it's kind of incredible um, that they they had an entire section of their booth dedicated to like at least four or five different ways that they're trying to evolve the like the blind box experience. And it was just it, we were wowed. But even like, you know, McFarlane. So. You know, I don't know if if you guys are super familiar with the the DC Multiverse line that McFarlane acquired. For a very long time, Mattel held exclusive rights to the DC Universe. So they were making a modestly popular, somewhat maligned DC Universe line. It was a six-inch scale figure, much like the, the, the Marvel Legends. But they had the, the rights for all DC product. For whatever reason, I don't know whether Mattel was just unhappy with sales or you know, DC wanted to explore different routes. They, they did not renew the contract. And instead of providing exclusive rights, they split them. So they split the rights between Spin Master, who is doing kind of more of like an action figure, like, you know, quote unquote toy line. Mm-hmm. And they gave McFarlane Toys the the collectible line. So in in the fashion of, of McFarlane, who has always made very large figures for that scale, you know, has always kind of, tried to give the most plastic he could with his products he has the dc multiverse line and the first line of figures are good like they're you know they most people were happy with them you know they have some like wonky scale issues so like batgirl's taller than the batman who laughs which is not good if you're posing them together you know some of their proportions are a little wonky but they have fervently listened and rapidly responded to a lot of the critiques that have been out there about the toy line. And, you know, we got a chance to see what's coming down the pipeline from them and completely blown away. Like they are making immediate fixes to things with the the next line. And, you know, they had a bunch of the new figures on display as well as, you know, giving a preview of some stuff that's embargoed. But we were very impressed with what they had to, to offer. Between both the DC Multiverse line, they also have a, a, min, a Fortnite line, Cyberpunk with Keanu Reeves. What else am I missing? Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. And what was that other? Warhammer. That was the other big one. Warhammer, got, that was it, yeah. Yeah, they just got the rights to Warhammer. And much in line with the spirit of that game, they're producing a figure that is going to be matte gray, fully articulated, so that you can paint it and customize it yourself. I, I, whenever I see those DC figures in the store, though, I'm always so tempted to just try because, like, it's just, oh, maybe I should just pick up these guys because I don't own enough DC. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, ugh, I can't do that. That's another money pit, and I'm already in enough money pits. I don't need another money pit. On the other hand, I have always wanted a Batman and Joker, especially from the Arkham Asylum games. Yeah, those are two that that they announced at Toy Fair and that we got to see in person. And I I can't. And between that and the Spawn figure, finally a fully articulated Spawn figure coming um, right next week. Actually, it's going to be out on March uh, whatever next Sunday is March eighth, right? Yeah, March eighth. Yes. Um, yeah, available at Walmart on March eighth. Go out, get it if you want it. But it's the first fully articulated spawn figure we've gotten in probably almost twenty years, and it's part of uh, the Mortal Kombat line. Yeah. Oh, it's for the for the game because spawns in that. Oh, that's interesting. Very yep. cool. So, but on the other hand, Al, I know that you're trying to be smart about your money, but what if you weren't? If I wasn't smart with my money, yeah. All right, that, that's I, my argument. I would one hundred percent just buy all those DC figures. Go. I would just get like I'll get both versions of Superman, both versions of Batman. I'd. Get mm. like uh, I'd get the build a Batmobile figures. I'd just buy them all. Oh, the build a Batmobile that would be that's awesome. Yeah, very very cool. Yeah, that Nightwing, uh, Batgirl, and Batman who laughs. Yeah, that's part of that. I don't. I'm not even a big fan of that Batman who laughs aesthetic, but like it's kind of a cool figure. And hey, if I want to complete the Batmobile, I gotta get it. So we did talk briefly about games, and I do want to bring up the second award of the night. I have a very particular interest in in games. I'm uh, obviously I'm a I'm a huge gamer. Those people who've listened to the podcast knows that. But uh, I I'm also very much interested in games I can convince my loved ones to play with me. I own many 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 board games that will take 
decades to play. I've I've Same. tempted to buy those legacy board games where you play it once and burn the ashes, uh, burn the game down to its ashes. It's I just, have to point out, Frank, that your wife has already hung up her headphones. Literally and walked out of the room as I brought this up. Yep, yep. Uh, which is a shame because she agrees with me, I believe. Uh, you could just shout, yeah, I agree! So it doesn't sound like you're here under protest. But GameRight had a line of party games that were so much fun, many of which you can play in like arbitrary amounts of time, which hits every button for me. Uh, I'm trying to think about what my favorite one was. It's kind of hard to say, but the one I liked the most was Dungeon Drop. So it comes in this little box. It's it got all you need to do to play. You could arguably play it at like a diner waiting to be seated, although it is a little messy. So you got to be at a very nice college friendly diner, and you just throw a bunch of basically. There's like a uh, it's a little. It's got a kind of a Yahtzee technique in which case you're just throwing dice down. You throw a bunch of elements on the table. Those produce the dungeon you're about to crawl with your friends. And the object of the game is to get as much loot as possible by avoiding all the obstacles that get randomly generated as you toss the uh, objects on a table. Oh, it's 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 very much kind of like a DMless campaign, and it's just but it's in a for an afternoon, and there's no like real like massive story elements. It's just yeah, hey, we're some dudes going through. Oh, that's that's fun. That's it really is, really cool. It is a lot of fun for if you're in if you've got that D and D bug and you can't find somebody who will run a game and you can't commit to a long story and you've only got maybe a few arbitrary hours like a half hour an hour two hours to play this is this is the sweet spot dungeon drop is really fun it looks and it it's it's one of those games that has uh pieces to it that themselves it seems like it has value various sized gem pieces various sized pillar pieces to represent the walls of the dungeon they've got dice in the game as well and then little obstacle little like um i guess little widgets and stuff that represent the various monsters you encounter in the dungeon itself so there was a little bit of gaming to have i'm, I'm happy to say at toy fair so one of the unconventional things that happened at Toy Fair, actually, was the release of the Transformers uh, War for Cybertron Netflix series. It was neither a toy, toy nor a game. It was uh, re- They were announcing, that hey, we're going to have this TV show that's going to come out on Netflix. Oh, man. This is like... This is a... This is a slippery slope. This is what happened to San Diego Comic-Con before it became San Diego TV and Movie Con. Yeah. But, oh. uh, but it's... I have no idea how to feel about it. I've watched it like a few times, and I I just don't know really how to feel. It's done by um, Rooster Teeth, okay. Uh, so, but it still involves some of the people that were in on the Machinima series before Machinima closed its doors, like right before it closed its doors. Wow. Yeah, there was a, there was a big huge thing about how Machinima was closing while also just like trying to make this series and the the mess that went on at that time, but. It still has some of those people that worked on that show on this one, and it does show to a bit, because even though the animation looks pretty good, it's not totally fluid. Oh, hang on. A Wild James has appeared. I looked up a little bit about this after I was talking with your boyfriend about it the other night. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of a point of clarification. So Rooster Teeth is actually the story producers behind the show. They're oh, not okay. actually in charge of the animation. That's where the old group from the Machinima come in. Oh, no. So they hired a bunch of people who are behind the animation for the Machinima series to come back in and do it. I'm even more scared it's now. It's totally scarier. So, because, you know, I, I, when your boyfriend had said that, oh, it was done by the Rooster Teeth team, I'm like, I'm looking at it and just nothing stands out about it. And Rooster Teeth's animation does. There's always got this flair and this color to it that yeah. just like... You know, it's a very signature style they have. And I'm like, why doesn't it look right? So, you know, I'm hoping that maybe they bring something to the story. But yeah, that trailer doesn't look very good. Yeah, it's... And also, it's a bit jarring given that the voice actors for some of the characters, like Megatron and Optimus Prime, are also the voice actors for the family-friendly show. That's oh. like Cyberverse. It's <laughs> like the 15-minute like yeah. uh, bit show. like, And it's a much more colorful, different tonal show. And hearing the same actors... Like, 
I, I don't know. It, it feels weird. Like it's jarring. It's like I don't, that is, voice shouldn't come out of that. This particular... is giving me flashbacks of the Sonic the Hedgehog episode we did last week. So <laughs> I don't think I want to hear any more about this. I'm just having a weird trauma. Uh, but yeah, that does sound odd. I, we, we, it's a trailer, and this yeah. isn't trailer. We don't know. Done, it could be so great. We don't know. Yeah. But uh, and so, uh, we obviously don't know for any toys. But very weird that. that oh no, the been toys have been out for like a year and a half. At this not point. specifically for the no, the yeah, Netflix for War for Cybertron Siege that's been weird. out for about a year and a half. They announced the Netflix series like alongside when the toy line came out and we're just now getting it like it's wow, they did the same thing with combiner wars like x many years earlier so actually, this is a property that we knew about but we're just getting a trailer yeah for it. and wow. it was it was in the pipeline as like oh we're gonna have this eventually and no one was really sure like there was like well you know stuff gets announced and does it actually ever come out and we were getting tidbits of information and like now we get the trailer like oh my god it's happening it's here it's it's this mm. is reality, and, you know. Well, I think it's a weird problem that Hasbro has. They've kind of repeated it a lot. They'll release these toy lines, and they'll say, we're doing this thing about it, and they kind of get three-quarters of the way through production, and they're like, mm, this isn't good, but we said we'd make a thing about it, so go for it. <laughs> you know what I've noticed a lot in this podcast? There's a lot of mysteries surrounding Hasbro. Uh, maybe if we interviewed someone there, or someone there wants to be interviewed that might uh shed some light on what's going on but we'll find that out later let's uh let's wrap up our toy fair coverage i know this was a hodgepodge episode of a bunch of different ideas let's throw out the things that we are most excited about coming up in the next few weeks and on of course the adventures in collecting podcast eric dave do you want to take it for a bit so i am super excited to go out in my pajamas next weekend to walmart to pick up spawn when he is available on the 8th Super excited from that for uh, from, you know, McFarlane Toys, but also, you know, from Hasbro. They have a ton of really cool Marvel Legends coming. They are introducing the Foxverse finally. So we're getting um, a Deadpool 2, Ryan Reynolds, Josh Brolin as Cable. We're, we're getting Hugh Jackman Wolverine. There's actually an Amazon exclusive one that's up uh, for pre-order right now. And then we're getting the Professor X and Magneto 2-pack that has both sets of heads in it. So you can make it look like uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen or, um, oh man, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Uh, Michael and Fassbender just... and uh, James McElroy. 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 You know, the rapper. My daughter's yeah. name. I was almost there. I almost had it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're finally getting those and, and we are finally getting a new Spider-Man figure. I know this sounds crazy because it feels like there's always a new Spider-Man figure, but it's always a reused body. Arctic action, Arctic action, Arctic action, please. <laughs> no, we're, we're getting the, the classic 90s TV animated oh, Spider-Man. Wow. And the it Arctic is in action like an, one. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing everything in the, the nostalgic packaging of like the '90s TV show, and yeah. I like it is a new mold for that Spider-Man. It's supposed to be like really articulated. I'm really yep. hype about it. That's yeah. You can finally the way that they had him posed at Toy Fair is like the Spider-Man pose, and he was standing up straight, which you can't actually do with any of the current Spider-Man toys. So very excited for all of that. That's interesting because I think even in the animated series they didn't quite get the poses right. No, no, I'm being a jerk. All right, that's awesome. Anything else? For me, the boss fight legends of Lucha Libre, and then, you know, the AEW figures, I mean, and the Mattel WWE guys, the legends, and the uh, Decade of Domination, those, uh, the legends coming back is going to be awesome. I also have to say, like, from the actual Transformers line, that reveal of Titan class Scorponok is just incredible. Like... I've been sitting and waiting for a Scorponok for a long time, and man, this one did not disappoint. He looks incredible. For me, there's a lot, there's an amazing assortment of stuff from the Inesco booth. They do some quality animation-inspired collectibles that are also part home decor. So they have this uh, Harry Potter of Hogsmeade Village that will take over for my Christmas village in our home to decorate uh, come come winter. Uh, but they also have some uh, amazing new things, including Elvira figures, which are beautiful, absolutely amazing. Ooh, Cassandra. Yes, and uh, we have Adam's family have their own little home. You get them. You could get the Adam's family mansion and a few other assorted pieces as well. I don't know how that'll fit in with the Hogsmeade, but I'll make it work. And what else was amazing there? The monsters as well. I'm on the fence about the monsters. I love them, but I feel like I can't cross the streams that much. I'm gonna. And if I had to pick one iconic home, especially as a New Jerseyan, it's got to be the Adams Family yeah. Victorian Mansion. Uh, there, and that's just like the beginning of some of the amazing stuff that they have at the uh, UNESCO booth. There was really some 
cool things, uh, but just like a smaller scale thing. Bean Boozled is the is a not so new but new enough line of Jelly Belly uh, jelly beans and the Bean Boozled like we I think we have all kind of experienced them at one point or another. They're like the you get the vomit flavor jelly bean and the disgusting flavor of it, whatever. But this particular new brand they came out with were hot sauce inspired jelly beans. And Pete, I know you're a hot sauce guy. They are genuinely delicious. They taste mm. like you're actually like eating the actual sauce. Uh, there, there is definitely a heat element, but there's also the um, the flavor. It's really, really cool. Jelly Belly, they they're the ones that make bamboozled, and uh, they are really good at matching flavors. Yeah, yeah, and they 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 knock it out of the park, and it makes you kind of freaky. It's a little it bit. It's, it's that, a little that's odd. the best word for it. It's freaky. Yeah, you you feel like you're living in the Jetsons where you're eating pills for dinner, and it all works out. All right, so this was a jam packed episode of our show. Eric, Dave, where can we find out more about adventures in collecting? So you can listen to Adventures in Collecting where all good podcasts are found. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, wherever wherever you listen. And also make sure you follow us at AIC underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. AIC underscore podcast. No, I thought we were just pod. No. Are we AIC underscore podcast? I'm having a rough night tonight. Yeah, I would love to keep that exactly the way it was. And you I can, might. Yeah, I think that's good. No, no, no. He's right. It's AIC underscore podcast. I'm wrong. You can follow us at AIC underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Guys, thanks a lot for joining us on our Toy Fair podcast. Al, Pete, thank you for your uh, experience. Iman, thank you for putting up with me. James, you didn't get an intro in the beginning of the show. You confused all our listeners. People are angry. Get They're crying. James. Go to hell. Wait. Frank, one more one more thing from us. Yeah. Just a big thanks to you and the non pro. Yes, thank uh, you. The non pro show for for a for letting us into your your amazing network and b um, getting us into Toy Fair. Um, you know, it's we love being part of the network. It's a great team, and was, thank you. It was so much fun to be on the year end thing as a recorded section that we were we were here today. Yeah, live and for real. It's actually <laughs> us actually here. Yes. Well, you're disembodied voices in general. You you don't have corporeal forms anymore. We we took that in the <laughs> pact that you signed when you joined the network. But I yes, felt different. Yeah, <laughs> felt a lot. yeah, I feel lighter. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that's a selling point. Yeah, it was a, it was an awesome show, and we're glad we we got to cover it. There's going to be more amazing toy coverage at the Adventures in Collecting podcast. You could go to non-productive.com to get all those links that we talked about a minute ago. And so of convenient. course, as always, if you like the podcast, please like, follow, subscribe, leave us a good review or a couple of good reviews on the various shows on the network. It really does help us reach out to new audience members. Thank you all and good night. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the non-productive network is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.